Welcome to the Nexodus podcast, going into the next um, chapters of Genesis. Very, very excited about what is happening. This week has been phenomenal. If you've been following us, you know, in the first week, we've been talking about the new year, the new year, according to the scriptures, according to the Enochian calendar, according to the Southern Hemisphere, the garden, aka Africa. And what we've been learning is that the new year is on the spring equinox. So the spring equinox is replicated or spoken of in the scriptures in Genesis chapter one, where it talks about in the most high divided the earth or the light in the day, the night, the light in the darkness. And it was the first day, excuse me. So with that understanding, we know that the spring equinox is the first day. So we starting the, the scriptural calendar, according to the Southern hemisphere on September 23rd. We moved seven days that landed on a Saturday. It could have landed on a Monday, and that would be the Sabbath. Seven day in, we get a rest. That's the Most High's covenantal agreement with us as the Sabbath, from which Sunday worship has come. All these different um, templates came as a result of that establishment. So that's why we're going back to the beginning of the scriptures. What did the Most High say? How does it align with nature? Can it be observed? Can it be... Um, understood can it be measured these are the things we're using to solidify and understand the truth and that's going to be an important principle as we start going through genesis chapter 9 through 12 i'm going to stop at 12 because to go to 15 it's going to i would do it in injustice because 12 through 15 is so packed and has a lot of personal information that i've gone by for the past several years of my life and now it's becoming more clear as to why the most High walked me through that pathway because it's a bloodline it is a seed. It's a people that he's been calling to himself. So we've been observing the Sabbath. He said in the last days on the years of the return that he would begin to remind them of the seasons and the times in alignment with nature. So spring equinox, September 23rd was the first of the year. Seven days in was a Sabbath. Seven more days um, was the establishment of 14 days is the Passover. So on the 10th day, they would get the, the lamb. The, the meal that would or the the sacrifice that would be a memorial to the most high when he took the people the firstborn out of a captivity now the location and where that is we're going to talk about that more when we get there so i don't want to get into that because the traditional ways that has been taught or has been presented has some questionable propositions and and interpretations and doctrines that have come from it that the most high is unveiling and causing us to critically look at it to take a different look at it to see what was being said and what can be observed in history in nature in human nature and then um throughout time so there's a lot of metrics when you go for instance the law when we get to the law or we're reading out of the first five books which is considered in most circles as the torah so the first five books is genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy in those first five books you have a a certain type of um a law that the most high laid down that all law has come from from in one way or another case in point down in los angeles at one of the major courts there is a a picture of Moshe or Moses holding the law, the Ten Commandments. Then there's a Roman centurion sort of figure there. And then you had like a George Washington type, which represents the American government. 
So you have these three represented, but it's showing you the root of it. So that's what we're dealing with right now. We're trying to get to the root and the spiritual, the core, the mindset, the ideals. So then we can understand how we operate as a people, how is nature set up and how did the most high govern things. So we go through the spring equinox, seven days in it's Leviticus 23, which is interesting for September 23rd. But I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail because we don't know exact dates, but we're getting into the the the. Uh, param the perimeter we're getting it within the 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 jurisdiction i love that word we're within the realms we're getting warm so i don't get caught up on too many specific uh, technicalities because humans have touched it but the word is still forever and is unadulterated cannot be moved because the most high placed it there and that's what he's revealing to us again in these times and seasons so you have spring equinox from the spring equinox you have Seven days, Sabbath, another seven days, which is 14, is the 14th day, where he says on the 14th day is the Passover. On that 14th day, you have the meal, the Passover, memorial of the Most High taking his people out of captivity, out of bondage, out of degradation, out of sin, out of brokenness. And then you have um, the next set of seven days, which is the unleavened bread. And then from unleavened bread, which we just passed, you came into first fruits, which landed on this Sabbath. First fruits. Now we're going into the 50 weeks or in the, the feast of weeks. These are all observances from spring. You you go these days forward, 14 days. And then there's the, the spring that is now the birth of newness. Because remember, in the southern hemisphere, springtime. So this is where the earth is regenerated, it's renewed, it's flourishing. So when we come to the book of um, of Genesis chapter 9 is talking about where Noah just experiencing the flood and how he maneuvered through the flood. So it's now a newness. And the book of Jubilees, which is extra biblical text or is not in the canon that we have now that has been um, truncated on so many different levels in its number. It started at a certain level, say with the Ethiopian canon. And canon just means which books meet the, the standard. So they had different books in there like Jasher and stuff. And then the Catholics then came in and then truncated it to a smaller portion. From there, you go into the Christian, Judeo-Christian, which has 66 books, Old Testament, New Testament. To swing it back full circle, the new year is on the spring equinox. In this particular time and season right now, which we had what? The 14 day, the seven day of the unleavened bread, the feast of, of first fruits, which was one day on the evening, uh, which was, was just celebrated on Saturday, which was a Sabbath, which was a new moon, which was an eclipse. So you're seeing that we are aligning with the times and the seasons, even in the scriptures as is proclaimed in Leviticus 23. And we've been following it and we're seeing the signs in the heavens alignment. So you're seeing the Most High is waking us up again back to his feasts and festivals. You get back to his covenant, get back to his ways. One of the great mistakes and deceptions that have happened as we have focused in and have been indoctrinated toward just understanding the New Testament is that the Savior actually only knew the Old Testament. The New Testament was written after he was gone. So or after he left, after he went back to the heavens, what after he had triumphed the grave, whatever position you want to take on that. The end of the day is that these books should not, these observances should not be changed because the Most High doesn't change. And he told Noah that this covenant that I'm cutting with you, 
is an everlasting covenant to all your generations, perpetual generations. Just like when the papal bull started, it said perpetual servitude. They understood Torah. That's why Moshe was on the courthouse, as I shared earlier in Los Angeles, because those in power overstand the power of the Most High's word. The Most High's word is first. It can be manipulated like Satan did in the garden. And you're seeing this running theme that we're going to be seeing in these next set of chapters in chapters 9 through uh, 12, that there is a, that enmity keeps showing up from what Adam and Eve caused when they mixed with the fallen and Satan and his ways. It began to set a repercussion that kept showing up as the seed of enmity. He said, I'm going to put enmity between your seed, speaking to the woman, which is the male seed that goes into the womb, and your seed, Satan, which he himself also has a, a physical seed in the earth. And we saw it show up through Cain when he said, why has that countenance fallen? That, that, that word connotates of a possession that you've been uh, bewitched like your mother did, Cain, and you ended up slaying Abel. You have slain your brother. You have killed your brother, Abel. But blood speaks. Blood is alive. It's connected to the life force. That's why he says, for every life taken by the same shall life be taken. So if you have been in your generational pathways, been killing, 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 that is only being reserved in the reverberation into your bloodline that is the way the most i operate and unless one repents is aware of it begins to amend the ways of what is to come it will show up that is a part of what is ex we're experiencing as a people what other nations are experiencing now some of the wars that you see are reverberations of generations of generations of generations of killing so it's very painful when we see young people or women or children being murdered on any level but a lot of that has been passed down it's been passed down from generational decisions that have been made is it their fault no but most high sees things generationally we're trying to see it individually and we should love life we should push for peace we should do those things we shouldn't destroy because you didn't give the life so it is for peace and for love but i understand also how the most high set up the heavens and the earth and the and the observance of how things are operating and he's revealing those that information even more so we come to genesis chapter 9 and in verse 11 you see that he says again after the flood had come they kept going against um the earth going against each other the nephilim the angels were sleeping with the daughters of men there was a lot of mixing all kind of stuff was happening the spirit realm was intertwining with the natural way too much because human beings remember were at a very high state at the time they weren't under the, um, the, 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 the brokenness of, of where we are now at a, such a low vibration. They were the high vibration. That's why they were living to 400, 500, 600 years old and intertwining with the spirit space because they had just been made from the bosom of the Most High. When he breathed the breath of life and human beings began to multiply, they were still in a very high spiritual state beyond what we know now and what we try to amass and understand and indoctrinate and create and all those different things that this is low, 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 <laughs> lower vibrations. But at that time it was very high. So when they did things that were wrong, it was maneuvering the earth at such a high level that the earth was responsive 
so much quicker than it is now. Like right now, the earth is still responding because of the stuff we keep doing. We keep abusing, overworking, raping, just pillaging. Da -da -da. The earth is kicking back, responding. Earthquakes, da -da -da. There's, there's this war against nature. And, and if we don't understand how it's being played, you become, you get played. So you're, big bank, take little bank. If you understand what's happening, you're out of the way. If you're not, then you're set for prey. And that's bars too, but we'll leave that alone. Genesis chapter 9, verse 11, he says, And I will establish my covenant with you. This is the Most High speaking back to Noah after the periods from which he was first um, in Jubilees chapter 26, 20, uh, sorry, Jubilees chapter 6, verse 23, which I've been studying a lot more, has brought some really good insight and understanding to those memorials that align to the book of Leviticus 23 as well. They were observing the, the law that the Most High gave Noah, that Noah taught to Shem, that Shem taught to Abram, that Abraham got the covenant and then it was lost and then Moshe brought it back again. But we're going to walk through all that in a synoptical way of each chapter so we get an overview of how to approach the scriptures from a spiritual context from a cultural context and understand the ways of the most high so that we can get an alignment and understand what is happening right now as we speak so now we pick up from genesis chapter 9 and i will establish my covenant with you neither shall all flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of flood most i say i will never do that again i'm not going to move the waters like i did in the beginning to resurface the earth with 75%, I mean 70% water. So we're constantly in a state of fluidity. When we listen to music, it's vibration. So it's like a rock being thrown across the river and it makes those skips, skip, skip, skip. And then the, the vibrations go. That's what energy does. That's what sound does. That's what music is. And it formulates and moves and maneuvers our physical environment. That's the, the constant flow and shift of things. So... Neither shall flesh be cut off any more by the waters of the flood. Neither shall there be any more to be flooded to destroy the earth again. I have made this covenant and the token of that covenant is in the rainbow. The bow you see in the sky is my covenant between you and me and every living creature for perpetual generations forever. So anytime you see the, the rain and you see that the water and the earth starts getting close, the earth will respond and say, oh, nope, we can't. We can't cross the line. Do we do things that constantly push the earth around to flood? Yes, we, we still experience that in different regions and stuff, but it's never been the whole earth again. And the most I said, it will never happen now with this global warming, as they call it in political spaces. But the scriptures talk about fire. Fire is what? Purification. The earth will purify and cleanse itself because the most High commands it to do so. So we have to understand we're caretakers of the earth. And those are the types of things that will happen. So now you see the lay of the land after um, uh, he gets established again. He's like, OK, I'm going to start with you, Noah, and your sons. We're going to reset and push through. And I want you to multiply, move through the earth, repopulate, move towards righteousness. And we're going to go again. But I'll never destroy you guys by water again. So Noah is very happy. He makes it through the, the, the flood. And now he's reestablishing the order of how humans are going to relate on the earth now still at a high vibration but a couple tiers down so if they were at 100 before the flood they're they're in the 70s 60s of of the the fullness of humanity and and that divine nature mix has dropped down because of the wickedness that they were experiencing when they had that sort of power that's why he said don't eat from the knowledge of that tree 
Because once you move into knowledge, you're going to learn how to maneuver the earth outside of me, which is already in you, that you didn't have need of anything. That's why they didn't know they were naked. That's why they're able to name the animals, maneuver with nature, all kind of stuff. But once you try to go outside of source, that's no, I want to know, I want to do it on my own. And that produces death. So we're seeing this constant ebb and flow and that the enmity between Satan seed and her seed shows up all the time. So we saw it show up with Cain and Abel. We're going to see it show up right now with this whole situation with Cain or Canaan. You see in the same sub sort of root word. So it's, it's important to get past the different languages that we're reading it through and try to understand things from a root level so that you can maneuver things from spiritual standpoint and not just from the, the spell or the spelling of a word. So if you see the word ignorance, what is a root? Ignore, you see, or by biblical two, two ways, both ways, Bible, you see, so that's the by, or if you go with county, country, you, you see the con, what is the con in there? It's a containment. So you begin to understand those principles and how the Most High operates, then you understand how words are formed to maneuver and release and um, create environments. That's the power of the word we have as human beings. So the words you speak is important. If you're called a certain name, if you're called by the N word, if you're called by the B word, if you're called by, it opens up a certain type of energy that if you're not aware of, it will overtake you. So that's why people are afraid to associate with certain words, certain things, look like they're called this or that. Because once you go into those realms, you get siloed. You get It becomes what the scripture calls stronghold. And the Most High is the only one who can break the yoke. The Most High's word, his truth is the only thing that can confront darkness or confront lies. Because now it's you're, you're superseding above those principalities and powers and moving in the spirit by the word of the creator, which is backed up and observed and measurable in nature, history, outside of biblical text, in everyday life. And that's what we try to do in these nexus is that we're aligning ourselves. Abram, Moshe, when he took the people out, he had to relearn the ways of the Most High. He took them to the wilderness to reconnect. But Noah's having it after the flood to what? Reconnect. And that's where we are right now. So you get the lay of the lands. And in chapter 9, as you move further down, it says, Now these are the sons of Noah, and of them the whole earth overspread. So the Most High is now beginning. And what did he say? He said, And Noah began to become a husbandman. He became a husbandman. What does that mean? He began to be a caretaker of the earth again. He became a, a, a caretaker of the earth. This is Genesis 20. He became a husbandman. He planted a vineyard. He was a gardener. He was in agriculture. That's what Most High called um, his forefather, Adam, to do from the beginning. And Adam was born in where? Ethiopia. So Ethiopia is on the continent. That's why the earth is so lush in those areas with all the animals so forth and so on. All this was happening on the continent. We are having so much research done. Different people are doing this research. One of the great geologists who is studying the scriptures and particularly helping us understand that the biblical holy land is in the southern hemisphere or in what they call Africa. And he does a lot of great research and has brought a lot of amazing information. So you should check him out. Bantu International, some great information there. So Abram is a forefather or great, great, great we're not going to get into the degree of the greatness, at least in these podcasts, but I'm giving it an overview. But we do study it specifically. You know, when you were younger, you would read the scriptures and it would have people's name. And this person got this and that. You'd be like, oh, my gosh, can I just get through this? 
But that's the bloodline that you need to understand. And once you get to understand those things, then you can operate in the world because you know how the Most High created that stock, if I can say, or that seed line, that people. Just like plant has all these classifications the same way with human beings. Bantu, Niger, Congo, Scandinavian, da-da-da-da-da. Everyone has their classifications and different ways of being. Same thing in the animal kingdom. You have tigers, lions, cheetahs, pumas, all cats, different breeds, different, that's the divisions of the most. He loves diversity. So when we only approach things, if we're in the cat kingdom as the puma does, then what about how the jaguar does it or how the, the mountain lion may do it or how a regular lion may do it? So there's so many different ways. You need to understand who you are so you can do what you do and stop trying to be like a bee if you're a fly. You're trying to sting people, you ain't got no stinger. So what are you talking about? Get it right. <laughs> so this is some of the things the Most High has been teaching us, and we're beginning to realign again and understand with nature. So what did Noah say? I got to get back to the earth. I got to reset what my parents did, what my grandfather, great-grandfather did, and get back in alignment and graces with the Father. And this is what he's trying to teach his children because he's like, don't do like we just saw. Those people kept doing crazy stuff, and it ended up wiping us all out. Let's get back in alignment. Let's get back to doing what we do. So Noah was so happy. He gets a little tipsy on some natural wine straight from the vine. Like he, ta he had a little too much to drink and got drunk and his children saw it. And according to the scriptures that we have now with the translators, it says, and Ham, verse 22 of Genesis 9, 22, and Ham, the father of Canaan. Remember what I told you about those denominations, denom, by biblically be to both the father of Canaan it's a different word than Cain but same has some sub in there you have to understand what is being said so you can begin to pull things together and readjust some of these translations that were made because there were so many different types of um, agendas behind like we see right now for how they translate news it's the same thing here when they got the books and they translated from its original language which is different from what they say is the original language because we do find traces of Osa dialect in the scriptures, whether it be in the book of Daniel or whether when the Savior said, Eli, Eli, Sabachthani. If you look at that in Google, Eli, Eli is this, this, this is for the Sabbath keepers. But when King James or the Greeks got it, they said, this means why has thou forsaken me? But the Savior said that the Father never forsakes him. He's one with him. So how did he forsake him? So we, those are the questions that I had to live with over these past couple of months and years. And it was very difficult because I was taught a certain way. So the most I was challenging me to go in. So that's what I'm doing here. This is just to get you to think. You may not agree. You may not understand or even subscribe to what I'm saying. But don't push me to heretical because a cognitive dissonance. Go into the scriptures yourself and see what the Most High says to you. Reread it for what it's saying and following it. So that's why we're taking the time to follow it so the Most High can help break some of these strongholds. So, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and went and told his brothers, like, man, Pop's out here tripping. We out here getting drunk. We just got out of here. He's probably, who knows how he was angling it. He was probably trying to make it seem righteous like the fallen dude or like Satan got Eve with. He always trying to, you know, make it sound like he's for the righteous reason, but he's doing it to mock his dad. But he's like, you know, we don't want to sin against the father again, but look what dad is doing. And the brothers, Shem and Japheth, took a garment, was like, man, that's our father, dude. Let's cover him up, man. Why get, do this, man? That's, you know, so all that happened. Noah finds out. This is in 24. He awoke from his wine and knew that his younger son, which is translated as Ham, 
his younger son had done to him. And he said, cursed be Canaan, Cain, cursed be Cain. The, a servant of servants shall he be for his brother, meaning he's going to serve everybody else. Y'all, he's going to be at the bottom because he messed up and Noah cursed him. The Most High didn't curse him. And I know this scripture has been used in so many contexts to curse or to say that the, the people of Ham, which has been translated to be the people on the eastern part of the garden or a.k.a. Africa, Cush, Misraim, Put, we're going to go through that in Genesis chapter 10. Those children, they're saying that they are all cursed or Canaan is in that line. So that means Ham is cursed. Ham was not cursed by the Most High. Noah cursed Canaan, which was the last seed of Ham according to this translation. But some of the observations, some of the measurable data we can see in history and in human nature and bloodlines, it would appear possibly that the names Japheth and Ham have been switched and it could be the other way. And once again, I want to come against that thought process that would just say, oh my gosh, no, the word is inerrant and you're going against scriptures and you're changing things and you're trying to be, listen, that's fine. That is a stance that can be taken. But as I said earlier, if you go back to what I said, I talked about having a critical overstanding and seeing things from observable, measurable, historical, and giving room that things could have been translated in the favor, in the agenda of the, the people of the day and what they were trying to accomplish. Because it was used as a tool to enslave, whether it be from the Arabic slave trade that started in the fifth sixth century around that same time with Mansa Musa and Mali and all the 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 what they now call Middle East intersections with the European portion and those lands and people groups intermingling with each other that we now call Arabic or Muslim or um, Berber or whatever different terms we've coined over time there was a slave uh, Sahara slave trade that is even to the to this day still in operation human trafficking that's all coming from that particular energy when the europeans were enslaving one another as well as the afros and then they went into indenture servant it, it was just a progressive stream right or a streamline from oh we're just working and then it went into slavery and then around the 15th century from that 6 to 12 13 14 15th century that's when the european slave trade kicked in and at that time things was way out of hand there was a lot of going on there was a Dutch East Indian um, company. So there was slavery going on in those areas. Stuff was happening in China. It was happening all over the globe where there was all kind of wars and, and, and slavery happening. But for Afro peoples and the firstborn, the, the, this particular verse was used as the reason to be able to enslave them because they Ham is cursed from Canaan and Canaan and Ham is cursed. When the scriptures didn't say that, but once again, it was influenced based on who was um, in charge at the time or who had access to the scriptures, whether it be through the Arab slave trade or through the um, the transatlantic slave trade, which was all prophesied, which we'll go into when we get to the further in Genesis, Genesis 15, when the Most High tells Abram that your seed will go through this and that. And that's the seed of Shem, Shem or uh, Shem or Sem. All those different denominations of words still coming from Shem, who is the son of Noah, who is the son of Adam, who is the son firstborn in Ethiopia or in that region or area. So we know that he comes from the continent. 
So that, that's a bloodline, Shem being on the continent. Japheth, because we see here that him and Japheth took a garment and covered, and then he said, cursed be Canaan. And then he says in verse 26, Noah that is, and he said, blessed be the most high God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. He didn't even mention Japheth at that particular time until the next verse. And he says, and the Most High shall enlarge Japheth and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem and Canaan shall be their servant. So what does that mean? Japheth and Shem is supposed to be together. They are going to dwell together. But according to this particular interpretation and layout that has happened, which I'm reading from the King James in the 1600s, Ham is on the continent with Shem. And Japheth is in the Isles. He's in the Gentiles land. He's in the north. He's in the, um, we're going to see his bloodline layout. So if, if Ham, and we see ramifications or we see possibilities, whether it be Birmingham, Nottingham, there's a lot of Ham there. Could that be a shift, a switch? That is what is being looked upon and studied very closely as we look through different translations so forth and so on is not just myself that is doing this study this is a study that is happening in different parts of the earth as we begin to try to piece together what was the original what did the most high what fingerprints did the most high leave behind but regardless we just know that the lands were built into all groups of people and every group of people had their lands that the most high had given them and this is very significant because this has been used to enslave a people when in the translations, it could have been a mistranslation that threw things off. And even if that is the case or isn't the case, the clarity is coming. The Most High will clarify because his word is forever and you can't change it. You can't flip it. You can have it in a certain type of context for 500 years, 600 years. But according to the Most High, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. So he can maneuver it however he needs to to make sure that things um, get back to exactly as he said, or as we like to say, back to Eden. Then you go into chapter 10 and now you get the human framework of the bloodlines. This is where the families, in verse 32, it says, um, these are the families of Noah after their generations in their nations. So there's three things that we're seeing there. We're seeing, um, we're seeing families, which is key. So if you have broken families, you're never going to be able to build the real generational world, wealth, which is connected to the earth, which is life, which is blood, which is people. These are the families of Noah after their generation. So once your family is growing, you have your great granddad, your grandma, your great grandma, your cousin, you did it. That's causing generations because the more you're procreating, you're creating more generations. And then that from those generations become a nation. So if you don't have family, which is the core, and then the second level is generations, continue to build families. Then out of those families, you create a nation. And that's why the most High said in these last days, I'm going to call you out of darkness from the, the the lands that i've scattered you to the firstborn that has been scattered throughout the land adam's seed that has been pushed into all the lands abram who comes from noah abraham's seed that's been pushed throughout the lands he's going to draw us back in and we're going to talk about those stories because these are some of the things that i experienced as well as a young child not overstanding or understanding fully what the most high meant when he told me after both of my parents had passed that he wanted me to go to Canaan he wanted me to go to the west and I would look at the map and see Ur the Chaldees that Abraham was from then he went to Haran then he went 
all the way to Canaan, which was in the West. Me being from the East Coast, that was Eric Chaldees. Haran was in the middle at the time I was in Missouri, so that was like the Midwest for me. And then Canaan was the West Coast, and that's when I moved to Los Angeles after I lost everything, because Abraham did the same, or Abram did the same thing when he lost Tira. So I'm going to talk about that in more detail, but I wanted to spend a little bit more time in Genesis chapter 10, because Genesis chapter 10 begins to lay out the framework for all of the, 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 the people that came out of the generations of Noah, which was Japheth, Ham, Sham, and Japheth. These are the three sons, and they all went off and did their own thing and began to progenerate across the world from which everyone comes from. So you find different houses. Even um, to this day, you see certain bloodlines that are showing up at, at this particular moment, and that's a strong sea line if you're still seeing it. But in Genesis chapter 10, you go through all the different ones. It says, and the sons of Japheth, possibly Ham, you have Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, Tyrus. And then the sons of Gomer breaks it down to Ashkenaz, Ramparth, and Togoma. And these are the owls of the Gentiles. This is the Gentile portion. And then you go into uh, verse 6 in Ham. Uh, had the son of Cush or Ethiopia, uh, Ethiopia, Misraim, which is another word for um, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. So remember when Noah, Noah, not the most, Noah cursed Canaan. That's who he was talking to. Then you see the sons of Cush. So you're seeing these different pedigrees. So Cush was the firstborn of Ham, and from Cush came Seba, Havila, Saba, Rama, Shakbek, and Rama, and the Dan. And it shows, and then Cush begat Nimrod and he became a mighty one in the earth so that's the first bloodline from Ham possibly Japheth's sea line which would be in the eastern part of the garden or in Misraim where Egypt is where um, the garden was but they've been kicked out of the garden at this point so you're seeing a lot of the bloodlines come to to fruition and then there's there's so much more there that we won't go into it right now and they talk about um, Shem's seed and some of his names to this day if you look at, the, although it's been altered in one way or another, you're still seeing some of these names in the Western part of Ghana. Like you, we're going to learn about Tira, and Tira is still in the continent. Peleg, which was in the, in the bloodline of Shem, you can see his name on the continent. And Shema, you see Shem there. Shema is now a city that's in Niger, all in that area, Niger, Burkina Faso. So this study is still emerging. All of it isn't clear, but we're starting to be able to align the scriptures and see that, wow, this thing was moving from the garden. And a lot of this, all this was happening on the continent. So that's a part of the years of the return as the Most High is realigning the dry bones in this live again time, like Ezekiel 37, as he gets ready to re visit the earth realm again that's the second coming that's the rebirth that's the renewing where he begins to put the nations in all their places and he begins to align his chosen his seed his lineup his genetical um map and and creation will begin to get back in its rightful alignment but it's not gonna go without a fight that's what the war is about that's why satan was thrown out of heaven and came into this realm and it's been reverberating throughout time that's the enmity because I used to always wonder, why did the people just hate us? We didn't even do anything. It's a spiritual battle. It's the enmity. It's, it's a war going on. And if you don't understand those principles, you're always going to look at things from the mental or the carnal or from your um, conditioned thought process as opposed to what the scripture says and 
Romans chapter 12, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your act of worship. And be not um, conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So now we go to Genesis chapter 11, and this is where we'll end, and we'll pick it up in Genesis chapter 12 in our next time together, which will be around the Sabbath. I always do it in the Sabbath, around the Sabbath time, because it's such a holy and, and precious time as we're moving into the, the Feast of Weeks. And that's a 50-day journey as spring begins to spring out in the natural observance in measurable ways. And as we know, but in the spirit space, whatever's happening natural is happening in the spirit. Whatever has been ordained in the heavens is being revealed in the earth. So that's why the Savior came and he said, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in the heavens. So if we understand what is happening in the heavens, according to these observance of the feasts, the Most High begins to channel and understand you so if you read the scriptures a lot of time with daniel and all the different prophets when they were doing certain things that's why the scriptures is really clear about saying on the first month of the second day in the third year on the first new of the new moon this and this happened why because they were observing the festivals and the most always came down and visit them and that's what he's doing again it's very beautiful so Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, and the whole earth was with one language and one speech. I'm not going to try to interpret this from an English mindset, but the principles which you need to understand, there was lots of unity on the earth at that time. There wasn't a bunch of divisiveness. And it says, and it came to pass, they journeyed from the east, once again, east to the line of Shinar. They were in the east. Mizraim put Nimrod, Nimrod was what? The son of Cush. So they're in the east. They're in Ethiopia. They're in Egypt. They're in Sudan. They're in this area here. And, and we got a few things that shows us these signs that this is where they were at. So we look further into it. It says in verse uh, two, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. What does Shinar mean? Shinar, Shinar means country of two rivers. Country of two rivers. What are those two rivers? The blue and white now. What is Khartoum called? The tale of two rivers. That's just modern day words on old realities, but the earth is still showing the sign. So in my study and what we're looking at is that uh, Babylon or Shinar, where Nimrod built his city, and where Babel, Babel, the Tower of Babel is, is in East Africa, right in that area. How do we know that? What else types of signs do we see that could help us move there? Let's keep reading. And they said to one another, let us build a brick and burn them thoroughly and brick upon stone. Um, and that's a, an old way of doing things that they still do to this day, where they burn and create bricks in the garden, a.k.a. Africa. And they had brick for stone and slime for their mortar in verse 4. And he said, let us go and build a city, a tower that may reach heaven. And, and they go again, trying to do what Satan tried to do in the beginning. They're starting to fall back into those ways again. That's the influence of the fallen. What has just happened several hundred years before when Noah said, we're doing these covenants. We're not doing that anymore. Da, da, da. They're like, nah, we finna do this because we powerful. Look how we run this earth. Look how we doing. They were still at a very high vibration. Remember, they weren't at 100, but it was probably in that 70 to uh, 60, 70, 80 range. They still living long. They still can tap in that spirit space. They still know how to maneuver things. So they were building towers, doing all kinds of things, just like we're trying to tap into those spaces again from a sea level, but we're not as high in our connectivity to the spirit realm in the ways as they were so fluidly and so easily, but we are tapping into those spaces. That's why you have the different types of orders and 
ways of being and groups and things of that nature. So understand and overstand those secret knowledge and all that kind of stuff is coming from this place called Babel, right? And that's in the Eastern, the Shinar. We're going to see that it was very close to the garden because we see little fingerprints of the Most High throughout this, these chapters. So verse 11, verse 5, sorry, chapter 11, verse 5, and the Most High came down to see the city and the tower that the children had built. So the Most High is now coming into the earth realm as we can only understand because we can't understand the Most High, but we're overstanding that. Hey, he looked at that and he saw that they were moving because they had tapped into several principles. And he said, verse 6, and the Most High said, behold, the people are one. What are people afraid of? Unity. Unions. Remember that key phrase that we've been talking about, those denominations. Unity, union, because once you have too many people behind it, the, the, the energy and the life source can do so much when you're of one accord. He said, so the Most High said that these people are one. They have one language, whether it be physical language or they're thinking one way or have one goal, however you want to cut that in business, so forth and so on, a nation building. These they can do. And nothing shall be refrained from them what they imagine their heart to do. So that's why companies give you a vision. We get down one vision. We get one way of doing it. That's the power. You get 100 people, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people working at McDonald's. One vision, one food, one language, one way of doing it. This is how we do it. This is our customer service, blah, blah, blah. That's how they got the resources. That's how they got the money. They took that principle that comes from this. And he said, let me go down. I'm going to confound them. I'm going I'm to scatter them. I'm going to divide and conquer them, right? So Satan understood that. So he said, you could use this on people and you, they'll never be unified. So now you understand why certain groups of our people in certain regions are in a position they're in because we can't unify. We don't have families. Remember when Noah said families, generations, nations. Then he says, if you unify, you can build. If you're not unified and you can juxtaposition and put this person against that person and make this person da-da-da. We've seen it in the Willie Lynch letters or Willie Lynch people, person. However you, we're going to look at that. We're seeing these principles be used and he scattered them. And then in verse nine says, therefore, the name of the place shall be called Babel because the most High came down and Baba Babel. They were just babbling, cut them off so that they can't do anything. And the beautiful thing, I think, is chapter 10. Let me back up to chapter 10 because the line of Shinar, Cush began. OK, yeah. So in verse um, it says, and Cush begot Nimrod, and he became a mighty one. In the earth, and he was a mighty hunter before the Most High. Wherefore, his name was Nimrod. In verse ten, chapter ten, first chapter ten, verse ten of Genesis, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, which we learned about in eleven. So that was the beginning of this kingdom, and it says, and Erech. What is Erech? Eretria, that's on the east. <laughs> Djibouti, all that area right there. Is we're doing the research and it is coming clear, the Most High is revealing that that could be closer to the location in the Sudan, the two rivers, all that whole area, that region there, not the way it's been cut or count or con or country. All that is different now, but the spirit of that area, the region of that area speaks of this reality. Eritrea, Erich, put his fingerprint. Most High's fingerprints is in the scripture. So as you overstand, you begin to under, um, get the revelation to be able to discern where things are. So I just wanted to back up to, to talk about that. Let's go back to 11. 11, we go through the bloodline of Shem. Look at verse 11. Eber, Peleg, all of these names still have cities. Ru'ul, Surag, Naor, 
Tira. Tira can be found. And then you find Abram, Nahor, Haran. Haran, Tira. Verse 9, I mean, verse 27. And these are the generations. Remember, it was the families. His family is in verse 26. And Tira lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So those are the three sons. Abram, Nahor, Haran. These names are very important. Haran. Now, these are the generations of Tira. Tira begot Abram, number one, Nahor, two, Haran. Haran begot Lot. Haran was the third one. Canaan, Haran, Lot. Lot fell into some stuff and was always a snare for Abram, which would be that same kind of, because the seed line is becoming less and less on those back ends, so they become more susceptible to wanting power, and that's how Satan can deceive and trick. But that's a whole nother thing. But Haran... What does it say? Verse 28. And Haran died before his father, Tira. So he died. He passed away before Tira. So we don't know what Haran, what was going on in those times that caused Lot to see the world a certain way that ended up becoming a snare for him, where he ended up losing his family um, further along down the line. So you're starting to see what we do, what our grandfathers, fathers did, does affect us in the long run. So Tira, um, Haran, and look at what it says in 31. And Tira... Abraham, Lot, Haran, sons, Sarai, Sahara, Sahara, Sarah, and Haran, the land of Sahara, sub-Sahara. These are things we're going to talk about when we move into chapter 12 and really look at the scriptures differently and take a better look or a different critical look at how things have been set up. I want to thank you for joining me. I know it's been a lot of information. You can go back and reprocess. And we're going to be doing a lot of um, insights and ways to uh, reconnect to the scriptures. So the most I continue to strengthen you, bless you, and we'll catch you next week. 